When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Get in the know. Non-stop Vikings talk. It's Purple Daily on Score North and scorenorth.com. And welcome in. Actually, it's Purple Access time. And have we got a twist for you? Yes, it's Judd. Yes, it's Declan. Uh, but we are now going to start to rotate my friend Chip Scoggins and this guy, my current colleague, my boss, I guess, at Vikings Wire, Tyler Fornis, into the Purple Access mix. As you can see, a diehard Warren Moon fan. If you're watching, that looks like a signed Oilers jersey. I'm guessing it's the Vikings one to your uh, to your left. But Tyler, welcome in. It should be fun. And you join at a great time. I told Phil this and he agreed. I don't think there's any better time, including games, in football season than right now. I love right now. I love free agency. I love the draft stuff. That's all all the speculation. There is, it seems like every day now, especially since trades have become, it feels like, more commonplace, there is always something going on in the month of March, including pro days, in the National Football League. I don't disagree with you, gentlemen. And let me tell you, I absolutely love this time of year. It's about hope. It's about construction. And anybody who likes to put things together, like this is sports Lego sets. Like I know they're <laughs> becoming more and more popular. You you just got to piece it together and try and create a champion. And this is, this is just about hope. It's about exploring different things, which is why I love mock drafts. And there is a lot of different directions that this can go. And there isn't really one right or wrong way. And that, to me, is what makes this really exciting. And I, I think what also is fun, Stella, quit barking. She's very, she's excited, too. She's very <laughs> excited for the uh, start of free agency and the legal tampering period next week. What makes this fun, too, is the the construction process and the deconstruction, too, Tyler. I love that you like, and, and I know it's brutal. But one, it's a business. Two, it's football. But when you start to have to make decisions on veteran players, when you start to have to, to decide, you know, guys who have been around forever, it's time to part ways and and then replace them with draft picks, free agents. Like, I think the whole process to me, it's brutal at times, but it's so intriguing. And that gets us to how I'd like to start the show. Adam Thielen. Um, all indications are he is going to be in the coming days released at, by the Vikings and he will be a former Viking as a guy who parses through the the uh, free agency class quite a bit and certainly is a huge draft guy who breaks down film all the time. Here's my question for you. If you were Kwesi Adolfo Mensa and Kevin O'Connell, how would you go about replacing Thielen as the number two receiver to complement Jefferson? And would you be more inclined to go towards the uh, 
free agency class, or would you be more inclined to make that probably a draft pick to get a guy who's speedy and can stretch the field? I'll be honest. I would try to do both. Um, You guys broke down my article that I wrote for zone coverage last week, talking about DJ Chark. He's the guy I would want to prioritize because he's that X receiver and he epitomizes everything that both Kwesi Dofomensa and historically the Sean McVay coaching tree has prioritized in that position. He's an athletic freak. He's big. He's fast. He's got that quick burst off the line and he jumps really well, which those vertical and broad jumps equate well to explosiveness. And he has all of that. One of the issues with him is he's had some lingering injuries, but nothing super substantial. Like he doesn't have anything catastrophic. So you're bringing in a guy that I think you could realistically expect to give you 14, 15 games a season. And he could come at a relatively cheap price point. He did not have a great year with the Detroit Lions this past year. Only put up about 500 yards, three touchdowns, and he suffered a high ankle sprain. That kept him out six weeks. High ankle sprains happen. It's football. Um, so I, I'm not really equating that to, oh, this guy's massively injury prone. He's He's been dinged up, but it's also the game of football. I think if you could get him at around 9 or $10 million a year, I think PFF projected him at about 11, 11 and a half per season over three years. I think that is doable. And you have the LSU connection. I believe Chark and Jefferson were on campus together for one year. And there could be some linking there. I mean, this is LSU North. We have we have four guys from LSU. And there's a real camaraderie between those guys. If you miss out on Chark, I still think that you should prioritize receiver highly in the draft. And that that's even if you get him. Um, I. I am higher on this receiver class than other people, but it's also not nearly as good as some of the ones we've seen in years past. Like you think uh, 2021, you had Jalen Waddle, Jamar Chase, Devonta Smith, and the 2020 class with Jefferson, CeeDee Lamb, Jerry Judy. Like there have been some really high profile classes. We're not at that level, but I like a lot of the guys at the top of this class. Quentin Johnson is that X receiver. Yet people will look at, oh, he only had a 33% contested catch rate. I looked at all of his contested catches. His quarterback play was so bad that it, it really hindered that. Plus, they mark contested catches as like slants, routes that are significantly easier for defensive backs to break up. And a couple of those incompletions were balls thrown so far out of bounds. He actually high-pointed him and caught him. There was just no chance for him to get his feet in. Josh Downs from North Carolina, I think he's smaller than Diggs, but I think he plays incredibly similar to the former Viking. And that explosiveness in and out of routes, being able to win after the catch, create that elite separation, and be able to attack vertically, I think would be a great complement to what Jefferson brings. Then you have Zay Flowers and Jordan Addison, both smaller but different players. Jordan Addison plays like Devonta Smith, just in a little bit of a smaller package as far as height-wise. I think he's an inch, inch and a half shorter than what Devonta Smith came in. And then Zay Flowers is like 5'9", but he can run every route. He attacks down the field. He is Uh, built thick enough to be able to break tackles, get a lot of yards after catch. Brett Coleman compared him to Antonio Brown, and I think it's a little lofty, but based on their play styles, I think it makes sense. Take Doing any of those options. Um, I'm not very high on Jackson Smith and Jigba compared to the rest of the league, but I also understand why people are. Um, I I worry about him being able to uh, compete against press coverage. How is he going to be able to do that? It's not that he can't. I haven't seen it, so I have questions. We had those same questions about Jefferson. Jefferson was also significantly faster than Smith and Jigba. And that's kind of where some of my concerns lie. If somebody gets his hands on him at the line of scrimmage and just beats him up, how is he going to be able to handle that? I have nothing to go off of. So it's a 100% projection. 
I have real concerns, and that's why he's lower for me. You know what's really interesting, and Judd, to be honest, this could be a whole episode in its own right, but you probably have to go back, and this guy certainly wasn't a home run free agent signing. Greg Jennings was probably the last solid free agent wide receiver this team brought in, and it and he was able to grab some sort of footballs and, and was a somewhat a productive player. But you really think about the last 10 years, all the productive wide receivers the Vikings have had, Diggs, Thielen, Jefferson, uh, I believe Jarius Wright was a draft pick by the Vikings. They've all been drafted by the Vikings. They, they've, they've dipped their toes in free agency and wide receiver before, and guys like Kendall Wright and D.D. Westbrook end up kind of being depth guys, and some of those guys don't even make the roster. But it also kind of goes to show twofold. Number one, I don't know if they want to identify a free agent guy. And two, I think I more trust the thought process, and I know it's different regimes, that this organization has always been able to identify wide receivers in the draft. And it's kind of it's kind of really remarkable when you think about when you go back to all the free agents they have brought in. I mean, seriously, and Greg Jennings certainly wasn't a home run free agent, but that was really the last substantial free agent they have brought in that made somewhat of an impact on their team. Yeah, it's 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 very interesting that when you kind of take a look at everything, the Vikings have a really good draft record uh, when it comes to wide receivers. Obviously, people point to oh, Laquan Treadwell. Yeah, that one was a little rough. Uh, North Turner was honestly just trying to recreate Michael Irvin. It didn't work. I think they should have really looked longer at the fact that that uh, significant broken leg from two years prior. But that is what it is. It didn't work. But that doesn't mean you don't stop trying. And I think taking some of those guys on day three and seeing success, I actually think has hindered the Vikings more um, at like long term because we haven't taken a day three, two receiver in what, like a decade? It's either been first round or late yeah. picks. Yep, like um, they haven't. Yeah, and guys like Michael Thomas, Devontae Adams, DK mm-hmm. Metcalf, AJ Brown, uh, Terry McLaurin have all come on that day two range. You're talking about some of the top receivers in the National Football League. This class is loaded with a bunch of day two guys. I think I have 11 players right now with uh, at least a day two grade, if not more. Wow. Like this is a very good class for if you want to get a guy to come in and play right away, you can find them. So I, I think the thing, too, is um, to what Dex is talking about, the Vikings are also now going to be in a position where because you've replaced the GM, you've replaced the philosophy and the coach, and the coach now is an offensive guy, I think that becomes what you just said. Like, for instance, a day two receiver, a lot more likely, right? I think that now, because, I mean, these guys, you know, through the Zimmer prism, the thought was, for the most part, defense. And even to go back before that to Brad Childress, who had final say on the 53 and ultimately was responsible for the drafts, the philosophy wasn't like this. Like, we have turned a page on the era, I think, very much of Viking football. And so, Tyler, I do think that there's a very good chance that this regime would be far more likely to be open to drafting a receiver on day two I also think that that their overall philosophy at the position is going to change because the receiver now, if you think about how that position, and it's, it's always been important, but how that position is now valued and how it's changed. And I will go back to this. The quarterback's the most important thing, but the number two receiver to Justin Jefferson, who you are trying to feature, there's no question about it, and he is your best player right now. The number two receiver becomes incredibly important, which is why I I like them not fooling around with the whole Thielen thing and him saying, well, I still want mine and I can do this and that. 
And I think that the prism, you guys, that the Vikings are examining this through is very simple right now, which is how does our decision on anybody like Adam Thielen affect Jefferson? And if you can get a guy, a speedy younger guy that can take the top off of a defense, Justin Jefferson becomes far more of a threat than he would be if you went into 2023 with Adam Thielen as sort of the slower possession guy who's still good, but makes Jefferson's life not as easy as a guy that can take the top off. Yeah, I think when it comes to like a number two receiver, you want to be able to have a guy that can do multiple things. The problem with the Vikings right now, they don't have anybody who can win one-on-one other than Justin Jefferson. Right. Hawkinson, it, he, I mean, he can beat linebackers, he can beat safeties, but he's probably not beating a corner. And then Osborne and Thielen, they kind of need to be schemed open to a point. They're not going to be able to win with just dynamic route running. And I think getting that along with somebody who can win over the top should be the priority. Take a look at the final four teams um, in the National Football League this year. You could make two characterizations of those teams. One, they all had really good offensive lines. And two, they the Chiefs aside, the Chiefs are very weird. They have Patrick Mahomes, so they kind of don't count. Um, the 49ers, the Bengals, the Eagles all had two really good wide receivers at the least. Brandon Ayuk and Debo Samuel, plus you had George Kittle and some really good role players underneath. The Eagles, A.J. Brown, Devonta Smith, Dallas Goddard. The Bengals, Jamar Chase, T. Higgins. Uh, Tyler Boyd you're talking about teams with multiple weapons being able to stretch you in a lot of different ways oh hey my elf is covered oh I'll go to my alpha number two and be right. able to take advantage of that and right. the Vikings don't have that they were able to pepper TJ Hawkinson but he's not at a level yet where we can consider him like a true game breaker like a Travis Kelsey can he get there I think there's a potential ceiling but we're not there yet and I don't think you can necessarily count on it you need to be able to have somebody who can dominate on the other side of Jefferson and be able to win. Take a look at what uh, O'Connell had with the Rams. It was Cooper Cup and Robert Woods or Cooper Cup and Odo Beckham Jr. There were always two guys, and you need to be able to find that second guy. That's why I prioritize it more than the corner position throughout the entire offseason. You just need bodies, capable bodies at corner. You need a dude at wide receiver, and that one guy is going to be more important than any of the three potential cornerbacks you add this offseason. Internally, keeping on KJ there for a second, Tyler. So, you know, he kind of burst on the scene in 2021 after being a really good special teamer. And last year, honestly, kind of put together a pretty similar season. Um, Do you think that that's kind of who he is? He's a 50-60 guy, 50-60 reception guy, 500, 600 yards. You know, he can maybe catch a couple touchdowns every year. Or is there a next level? or, Or is he kind of just suited to be a very, very solid wide receiver three? Or is there one more level to his game where he could rise up and potentially be wide receiver two and a very complimentary piece to Justin Jefferson. I don't think he's any more than wide receiver three. Uh, He's got production. What about him screams that he has more potential to rise up this? Keep in mind, this is similar to like the Joe Webb conversation where we had uh, some bad faith or say, oh, why aren't you comparing Anthony Richardson to Joe Webb? Joe Webb was drafted as a wide receiver. They gave him a chance in rookie minicamp to play quarterback. They're like, okay, maybe we have something. Let's let him play it out. And he ended up being what he was. They didn't think enough of K.J. Osborne to even announce him as a wide receiver. They announced him as a punt returner. And that kind of speaks volumes of what his ceiling could be. He's fine. But after when he enters free agency in 2024, are you giving him $10 million a year? Because I think he's too replaceable. I think he's he's fine. He's a guy you like having in your building. He's not a guy you pay. 
And I think that's one of the reasons why they really need to start putting major resources into this wide receiver position. Because after 2024, you're looking at Justin Jefferson, TJ Hawkinson, and blank. Right, exactly. Which is why right now you need to find a guy, if, if not two. And the thing on Osborne, so I thought that there was more there, okay? But I'm going to defer to O'Connell, who is an, an offensive guy and clearly is a very bright guy. There's at least two guys I came to, to the conclusion that I was just wrong on. One, Osborne. Doesn't mean he can't contribute, but like you said, Tyler, he's a three. The second one, Wang Wu, who I thought, there's got to be something else that you can do like offensively with him. And Kevin O'Connell said flat out, no, there's not. He, he didn't play him. So those are two guys that I sort of questioned the previous regime with, with Zimmer and Kubiak as far as like, can't you use the, them more? And Osborne did mm-hmm. become more productive, certainly in year two. But Kevin O'Connell, after extensively watching both of those guys, had very specific roles, very specific. So I think that, that you're exactly right. Where I want to get back to what you said about the final four playoff teams. Let's go back to the Niners. Because I think it's a really interesting one, okay? Mm-hmm. So everyone that so O'Connell in in some ways, like McVeigh, comes from a deviation of the Shanahan tree. And here, so the interesting thing about the Niners is number one, they don't have. It's not like they they had a great QB. They obviously went through three of them during the course of the 2022 season. But what I found really intriguing and what the Vikings had, I think, zero of in O'Connell's first year was what Kyle Shanahan has cultivated there, which is players as Swiss Army knives, sort of positionless players. Samuel's the poster child, but they've got, what do you think the potential is as we see the Vikings offense evolve because of the guys that they bring in? What do you think the chance is that he might not go full Niners, but that we start to see guys that can do more things. Cause again, I think if you want to feature Justin Jefferson, the more doubt you create in the defense's mind about who's going to do what the better. I think it's a very high possibility. Um, I think one thing about what the Niners have in like, especially Debo Samuel, that's such an anomaly in today's game, but I think where you're at conceptually is correct. Take a look at the 2020, 2021 Los Angeles Rams, Cooper cup and Robert Woods. Neither one is a true alpha. Um, They're both multifaceted players. Neither one of them tested particularly well. But what they all can do is they can all run routes, they can block, and they can create separation and yards after the catch. And because of all those facets, they -hmm. were able to do a lot of multiple things with that offense. And they were able to run 11 personnel really successfully because Cooper Cup and Robert Woods blocked like mid-range tight ends, which is what you have when you run 12 personnel. You're playing a guy like Johnny Munt. You're not playing TJ Hawkinson with Dallas Goddard. That's that's not what this league is. You're playing with guys like Johnny Munt, with Irv Smith Jr., who are just, at this point, middle of the range to bottom of the range tight ends. And if you can get a receiver who's a good enough blocker to match that, that opens up so many different things for your offense, especially with these condensed sets. You have jet motion included in that aspect. And if you're able right. to find that with a guy, and I think that's why... Quentin Johnston, if he's somehow available at 23, you just pull the trigger because he's a big body guy. He's physical. He has quicker feet than some of the smaller guys in this class, which really intrigues me. And he can stretch the field. Plus, he's physical in blocking. He gives effort. And that means more than actually being a very good blocker. 
because the more you try, the more you're going to win, or at the very least, lose slowly, which you'll hear a lot of times with tight ends and offensive linemen. You're going to lose a lot of more often than not, you're going to lose. Lose as slowly as humanly possible, and it's going to make a massive difference for your football team. You're listening to a Score North podcast right now, and if you're a business owner, so are your customers. In fact, I could be talking about your business right now, telling the tens of thousands of loyal fans about you and sending them to your business. Find out how you can partner with your favorite Score North podcast. Visit scorenorth.com now and enter keyword partner. Fill out the form, and we'll get in touch with you quickly. Once Phil, Judd, Declan, or others start talking about your company, you'll be amazed at how many fans start showing up. So visit scorenorth.com now and enter keyword partner. Uh, Tyler, switching positions, but a very similar one. So obviously TJ Hawkinson uh, is is maybe on that echelon to your point of entering elite status, but is a very solid tier two, one of the top five to 10 tight ends in the NFL. If you're going to lose Johnny Munt, who's very replaceable. If you're going to lose Herb Smith, who's very replaceable. How much of a, how, how important I should say is, the, are, is for the Vikings to go into the draft to find another backup tight end. I, I know they're not going to for sure prioritize in the first three rounds of the draft, but could you find a capable backup tight end to TJ Hawkinson maybe on day three of the draft? I want to propose something interesting because this is an incredibly deep tight end class. Daniel Jeremiah said in a conference call a week or two ago, he had 11 tight ends in his top 100. Like that, it, this is a substantially good tight end class when the receiver class is down. If a Dalton Kincaid, who some people are comparing to Travis Kelsey as far as a pass catcher and being able to win in space, if he's available at 23 and you don't like the receivers, do you pull the trigger and just start running 12 personnel? But instead of running like both of them in line, you start splitting them out. And then you can be even more multifaceted that way. I think a tight end is a very intriguing option for the Vikings because of how deep this class is. I don't necessarily know, like you said, Declan, if they'll end up prioritizing the position, but because of where receivers are and how good this tight end class, especially as a receiving group, I think it's a very, very intriguing option. The one thing that holds me back, like we saw with Hawkinson, tight ends take a long time to develop because of what they're asked to do. They're asked to block like tackles and win like receivers. It's a very difficult position. How many of of that that group um, in your mind are real athletes? I guess that's my question. Because, you know, tight tight end has sort of become, it's weird. We still call them tight ends, but the best ones are, are hybrid receivers. And and you still have your group of meat and potatoes. They can catch some passes, but they're going to block their asses off. And that's a that's a different skill, and that's difficult mm-hmm. as well. So when when we're talking about uh, Daniel Jeremiah's group of eleven, Tyler, how many in your mind are real athletes who, to this point, would present matchup problems for defenses? Maybe they can block, but more importantly, they can they can if not stretch the field, they can certainly make a dent five or six, but they're all different. Um, The one that you're going to hear a lot about is Notre Dame's Michael Mayer. He's been called baby Gronk for three years. And at Notre Dame, he was dominant. Um, I don't think he's Gronk, but you're looking probably 80%. He's a bigger dude. He's built like a traditional tight end. You could put him in 1995 NFL and he would fit right in. He wins at the catch point. He can win. He would catch passes with four guys surrounding him. Like, he can create separation, but he's more of a traditional style tight end. Then you look at like your Dalton Kincaid, who I mentioned earlier, and somebody everybody really likes, Luke Musgrave out of Oregon State. They, they win vertically. Billy's, they, Billy's they, kid. They, they, they challenge uh, nephew, I believe. Oh, nephew. Um, but they challenge you vertically. They challenge you with quickness. 
and they're able to do a lot of things that wide receivers do. Blocking is not going to be a plus for them. If you want more of a traditional style, like more along the Hawkinson uh, style of tight end, you're looking at Tucker Craft, South Dakota State. You're looking at Mayer. And there are guys, uh, one who's going to be underheralded because he played at Iowa, but we know the Iowa tight entry is Sam Laporta. He tested out of his mind. And because that Iowa offense is literally worse than a lot of Pop Warner teams, he didn't get a lot of shine. But the guy can play football, and we've seen the lineage of, of that school being able to produce tight ends. Tyler, I, I know he's still a year out from the draft, but it's still locally here. And I actually watched this kid play in high school and he was up at St. Cloud. Brevin Span Ford at the U of M, who announced he's going to go back to the U, probably the wise move for him. Um, I know you watch, you dabble in your college football as well. How realistic is his path to the NFL? Obviously, he's betting on himself to get another uh, another solid year of college statistics and run around under his belt before he declares for the draft. Do you, do you see a path for him where he could actually be a legit NFL draft pick um, a year from now? Oh, 100%. One thing that's interesting about Span Ford, he's a very tall and a long player. He's six seven, about 260. He doesn't look that much like 260. He looks kind of skinny. But when you watch him block, he blocks like he's much, much beefier than that. And with his long frame, he's able to win in different ways down the field. I think with one more year and a, an improved passer uh, behind center in Ethan Kaliak-Manis, because Tanner Morgan, after 2019, just took a nosedive. And it was really unfortunate because I thought, hey, maybe there's something here. And it just, it never came to fruition. But I think Span Ford with a really good year at the U, you could talk about him as a top 50, top 75 pick. Um, Not coming out in a loaded tight end class was a really smart move from him because he probably would have got lost in the shuffle, but been a really good like round five pick. Um, I think there's a real path for him. So the the Vikings must be uh, salary cap compliant by 3 p.m. on Wednesday. Um, mm-hmm. Kendricks is gone. It appears from all reports, Thielen will be gone. There is still a group of guys that could be gone. Zadarius Smith, Dalvin Cook, Harrison Smith. Who do you predict among the veterans who are on the, the potential bubble here? Who do you think will be gone by the time that we hit three o'clock on Wednesday? And who do you think stays? See, I, I'm kind of in the same uh, line of thinking as you, Judd, and you wrote a really nice piece earlier. Um, I think I think it was last week for Vikings Wire, which go check it out, please, and thank you. Um, it kind of exactly. highlighting this exact thing. I think Harrison Smith will end up coming back. Um, I don't think Dalvin Cook and Adam Thielen do, but the real one, I the, the two guys I have real interest in watching, Jordan Hicks and Zadarius Smith. You don't need to have great pass rushers in this style of defense because you're you're utilizing a lot of concepts a lot of blitzing and trying to confuse the offense rather than just be like, Hey, go win. And I think they might be able to use that uh, 12 and a half million that they saved to bring in cornerbacks, which are a much higher priority in this system. Yes. And I think those two guys are going to be ones to watch. I think it's to me, it's an almost certainty. Brian O'Neill's contract gets restructured. You can clear up 9 million bucks and you know, that guy's going to be on the football team for the next three years. So it's a uh, restructure that you feel confident about. Unlike what we did with Adam Thielen last year, which I thought was awful, I, I that one never made sense to me. Uh, but I think O'Neal makes a lot of sense to do that, and Harry will probably end up taking a pay cut because I think his contract was just Rick Spielman saying, hey, thank you. I know I'm probably not going to be here after this year. <laughs> That's right. Have some money. Yeah. Um, does Patrick Peterson being brought back make sense? Because to me, if he's going to play a bunch of man, like he is coming off a nice year and and he is probably the, the one guy in that defense who um, who benefited from Easy Ed being his DC. But Patrick Peterson, who 
was great in the room and who had a nice year in the Flores system. And I've seen reports he's going to be back. I don't know that makes sense to me. I certainly don't know that he's a starter at his age playing a lot of man after they played a lot of zone in uh, in uh, 2022. See, that's an interesting one. I don't know because one of the things that Patrick Peterson's great at is getting in your face at the line of scrimmage and taking you out with press and just bullying you. That was what he was always great at. But the thing was, if he got beat, he had the athleticism to be able to make up for right. it, that 4-3-1 speed. And that's what made him truly special. Yes. If he loses at the line of scrimmage in that aspect, like how does that look? Can he win for two and a half seconds because we're utilizing all these blitzes? And maybe with the versatility element, they use him a little bit at safety, use those penny packages with those three safety looks, and they can be multiple with him. I think at the very least, if you get him at a cheap enough price, say let's say two million bucks, you bring him in, and you know what? If it doesn't work out and other guys outperform, you cut ties at the end of training camp. But I think as a veteran in the room and what he can bring in press coverage at the line of scrimmage, and a lot of those blitz looks, you're playing five, six yards off the line of scrimmage anyways, which is what he was doing with with Ed Donatel. Right. So I think there are ways to integrate him. I don't know if it's a perfect fit, but I think with the veteran leadership, I think it makes sense still. Outstanding stuff. Tyler, uh, uh, plug our work and plug your star columnist at vikingswire.com because I will say this. When you go to that site, if you are looking for mock drafts and any news that might arise, big or small, Vikings Wire is the place to find it. Yeah, it is. We're trying to make this thing the number one spot for any written Vikings coverage in uh, in the state. And I think we're well on our way. And a lot of it has to do with your work, Judd. Did that, Declan? Yeah, I did. Yeah, yeah. There's yeah, a huge I, appreciation I, I, I for me. I'd like yeah. to see that reciprocated well, from Flores both sides does a of great this job. Stream. I think Tyler does a great job. Yeah, Tyler's doing all the right stuff. Tyler, thanks much. I'm Judd. He's Declan. See you on Purple Access next week.